0: good evening to everybody great to be back together this evening wasn't a great morning this morning early afternoon with the potluck and everything that that was really great and uh joyce i think that was maybe her first potluck with us since they came to sunny slope uh i don't know a year and a half two years ago but uh, with covid we had stopped having potlucks most of the time and this was one of the old-fashioned ones, as Mark put it, you know, where everybody brings a dish, and, and she said, good cooks at Sunny Slope, so it was, it was great to be together and great to enjoy each other in that kind of just kind of casual, friendly fellowship basis, so really good. Really, uh really admire you as a congregation. We're going to get into the third part of our study on some careless attitudes pertaining to our spiritual lives. We need to always stop and think about where we're at spiritually. We need to always do, in fact, the scriptures teach us through the New Testament different times that we need to examine ourselves to make sure we're where we ought to be, that we're in the faith, that we're living faithfully, that we're staying true to God's word. And you know, here at Sunny Slope, we try to emphasize, we just want to be the church that we all read about in the Bible, nothing more, nothing less, nothing else. And on an individual basis, as Christians, we ought to have that same basic motto or standard. That's our goal. We want to be what the, church, what, what the Bible teaches us that God wants us to be as his faithful followers. Nothing more, nothing less, nothing else. Simply faithful, dedicated, true Christians. Well, we've talked about some different areas of carelessness in pertaining to our spiritual lives. And we need to always be on guard to, to be careful, to not become careless in our faithfulness to God. Proverbs chapter 19 and verse 16 is an interesting verse of scripture. And here the wise man wrote, he who keeps the commandment, that is follows God's teachings, keeps his soul. And that is key. A lot of people, they they somehow they want to try to explain away the, the concept of obedience when it comes to being a faithful, dedicated Christian, when it comes to staying or being saved and staying in a saved condition. They, they want God's grace, but they don't want to have to make the commitment that goes along with receiving God's grace. And basic to that commitment is obedience. So he says, he who keeps the commandment keeps his soul, but he who is careless In his way, of his ways, will die. And so we need to always be careful to not become careless in our faithfulness to God. Revelation 2 and verse 10, Jesus said, Be faithful until death, and I will give you the crown of life. And then we read also in Matthew 24 and verse 13, He who endures to the end shall be saved. Have you ever watched perhaps uh, an Olympic? An, an olympic uh, race you know where they're they're you know the different runners from the different countries and the teams are running around the track and and maybe it's a marathon maybe not uh, by marathon i don't maybe that's probably a the wrong word because marathon is usually many many miles but maybe this is a really long race around the track taking several minutes and you ever watch, watch where somebody along the line maybe gets tired and they just kind of step off the track they haven't endured to the end have they They gave up somewhere along the line. And so he who endures to the end, and that's the same concept that Jesus was trying to get across in Revelation 2 and verse 10, be faithful until death, and I will give you the crown of life. As I said many times, and it's not unique to me, the the statement, Christianity, the Christian life, is a marathon. It's not a sprint. We like sprints in our culture right now. some of us, probably a number of us, will remember when microwave dinners first came out. What a revolution that was! What an innovation! Boy, you could get this little, a whole meal in a little tray there, a little aluminum foil tray, and you can stick it in the oven in 40, 45 minutes. You've got a meal all cooked there. Everything's right there. Would you want to wait 40 or 45 minutes for a for a, for a uh, you know TV dinner today? <laughs> Wouldn't sell, would it? So now we want them in five minutes or less and because we've got a microwave mentality. We want it right now. What we want, we want right now. Well, Christianity is a lifelong walk. It is a lifelong life, lifestyle of dedication. And so he who endures to the end shall be saved. And Jesus even said, by your patience, possess your souls. The idea there, patient perseverance, keeping on, keeping on, walking the walk and living the life and staying committed and dedicated and obedient on an ongoing basis. Luke 21 in verse 19. Well, careless attitudes in life in general, and we want to focus on our spiritual life, they can get us off track and lead to unfaithfulness in our Christian life just by being careless. We've probably every single one of us at some point in our lives has injured ourselves or been injured because of some careless act on our part. We just, we weren't paying proper attention. We did something and and what we got, we suffered, didn't we? Well, just think that's a temporary thing usually because we're gonna heal from whatever that injury might be. And we've learned a lesson. We need to be more careful. In our spiritual life, it's even more critical, even more critical to be careful to not be careless. Pay attention, pay attention. Particularly, you know, you think about somebody driving along and and all of a sudden they they don't, they're not paying proper attention and they end up in an accident. Or maybe they end up in an accident because another driver is not paying proper attention. A moment of carelessness can be tragic and even life-threatening or taking the life. So we need to be careful about letting careless attitudes get us off track in our spiritual lives. In Ephesians chapter 5, beginning with verse 15, the apostle Paul said, "'See then that you walk circumspectly.'" And there's the idea of carefulness. But beyond just what we would normally think about being careful, Being super careful, thinking ahead, not just to the next step, but the step after that and what that will lead to and so on. And sometimes a particular line of action, initially the first step looks attractive to us. It looks like a good thing, but then if we stop and analyze, well, what's that going to lead to? And then what's that going to lead to? Then we pull back and say, wait a minute, that's not a good idea. We should not do that. So he says, see that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise and redeeming, redeeming the time because the days are evil. The idea of redemption in in that particular uh, statement there, you redeem something, you're buying it back. So you're, 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 placing that value on that time. You're making it pay in the good positive way because the days are evil. We need to make sure that we're living right before God because the devil's always out there trying to pull us down, trying to get to us. Now we talked about guarding against becoming careless in our prayer lives and 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 17 and 18 says, pray without ceasing, in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. We also looked at not being careless as to how much time we spend in our personal Bible study. Not just being at, at church services, in Bible classes, worship services, and so on, but in our personal time, where we take some time, set the time aside, and we get into God's Word, and we spend maybe... 20 or 30 minutes a day or whatever it might be that we allot to being in God's Word, to thinking, to studying, and to praying about those particular texts of Scripture. 2 Timothy 2 and verse 15, the Apostle Paul said, study, King James Version, or other translations say, be diligent to present yourself approved unto God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the Word of Truth. And that's God's Word, the Word of Truth. Now, a great many Christians and part three, the next step, the next, next uh, you know, application of, of potential carelessness and something that I think is very common within the lives of a great many Christians is many Christians are careless about, about not being actively involved in good works and serving the Lord. They're just, they, they don't really care to be involved. Well, again, Christianity is a lifestyle it's not just something where we put in some time and punch a time, you know, a time clock, so to speak. Talking about old technology, you know, and we come to we come to Bible class one day, or maybe we come to just worship service or whatever, and then that's up. You know, the the final amen is said. We're out the door, just about as quick as we can get out. That that's not the fullness of Christianity. Christianity again, it is a a a life-governing discipline. You know dedication and commitment. In Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 10, the apostle Paul wrote this. Now, a lot of people, they're they're quick to read verses 8 and 9 and refer to verses 8 and 9 where it says, we've been saved by grace through faith, that not of ourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. And then I think they tend to stop right there after verse 9. Verse 10 is the same immediate context. Paul goes on and he says, for we are his workmanship. Now think about that active description. We are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works. For good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So we are God's workmanship. He has created us and he has blessed each of us with talents, abilities, and opportunities to be able to serve him in specific ways that he has prepared for us to be able to serve him. We need to make this very personal in our understanding and application, and not just, just kind of uh, you know hide behind the smoke of anonymity and generality. Notice he says, we are his workmanship. Now that makes the personal application to each individual single one of us. And he says, we are created in Christ Jesus and the purpose that Paul is bringing out here is for good works, and then he goes on and explains that God has prepared these good works beforehand. Now that would be an interesting, an interesting, you know, kind of study of, un, of un, an understanding. What does he mean by beforehand? There, well, we could certainly say before we were ever born or before we became Christians. you know, During our lives, he has created each of us with individual talents and abilities and opportunities, and that we should walk in them. Now, if the text says that we should walk in, we should be involved in these good works, what does that say about us if we decide, I don't wanna be involved in good works? I don't wanna do any more than just be at the worship services And maybe no more than just that. Maybe not even be in Bible classes. What does it say about us if the text says that we should be, but we decide not to be? Then we're not doing something that we should be doing, correct? And and if we're not doing something that God has said you should be involved in these things, then what does that say about us? Does that say that we're not where we ought to be in our spiritual focus in our lives? We need to stop and think about it. When do we get to a point where we say, well, I just don't want to be involved anymore. I don't want to do this. I don't want to do that. It's a, you, you see how, how dangerous that can be if we think about potential implications of that one verse there, that one verse, let alone all the others that we could read about along the same line. Well, we need to look at all of the scripture references, all of those. We're not going to look at all of them tonight, but just think about that. We're going to look at a whole bunch of them, but there are a whole lot more. Now look at all of those scriptures that emphasize as Christians, we're supposed to serve God through good works. And when we think about all of these, again, if we only focused on Ephesians 2 and verse 10, that's enough. If God says it one time, that's enough. He doesn't have to repeat it. That's that's authoritative right there. But all of the other verses, so we need to ask ourselves, okay, am I involved in good works? Am I working for the Lord? And, And we need to stop making excuses for not doing that if we're not doing that. So let's look at some of these in pretty rapid succession. Titus 2 and verse 7. In all things, showing yourself to be a pattern of good works not just occasionally, not just here and there, not just something that's kind of uh, unusual, but he says a pattern of good works. In doctrine showing integrity, reverence, incorruptibility. And then in verse 14 of, of Titus chapter two, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify for himself his own special people, zealous of good works. Now, his own special people, that's us. That's Christians. That's the Lord's church. And he says, we're supposed to be zealous of good works. That's not just, you know, okay, you talked me into it. All right, I'll do this one thing this one time. But no, I'm supposed to be looking for opportunities to serve God in active ways. Active ways. Active ways talked to a man one time, member of the Lord's Church, long, long time ago in another, another part of the country, and, and talked to him about, you know, what he was doing. He was, he was complaining about something that was being done that was a good work. Well, what are you doing now? And he was doing some things, but he said, well, I used to do those things. And I was a really young preacher at that time. And if I'd have have had a little bit more, probably experience, I probably would have said, and I hope hope I would have said it tactfully, that's fine, brother, but what are you doing now? What are you doing now? Do we get to the point where we we can sit back and say, okay, I've done my part, I'm still breathing, (laughs) I'm still alive, I still can get around, but I don't need to do any more good works for the Lord. I don't think we ever get to that point, do we? As long as we still have ability to some extent in some way. Well, we move a little bit further. In Titus chapter 3 and verse 8, this is a faithful saying, and these things I want you to affirm constantly that those who have believed in God should be careful. Now, literally, that word careful means full of care. In other words, you're really focused on that to maintain good works. These things are good and profitable to men. We need to be focused on working for the Lord, working for the Lord. We're to learn to maintain, that is on an ongoing basis, good works. How do we get to the point where we start explaining away, I don't need to be doing that anymore. Or I don't need to be doing anything anymore. See, that's, that, you know, I don't mean to be gruff, but but that's the devil talking. Just using our lips. We always need to be as actively involved as we can be, and not make excuses for not being involved in good works. Active dedication and commitment, serving the Lord actively. Now, let me tell you also. Some people would say, "Well, I'm at church services every, every you know I'm at a church services every Sunday morning." that's not a work, that's worship. That's worship, that's not a work. What am I doing to serve the Lord? I remember reading an article one time, again, many, many years ago about a congregation that was really, a lot of people were coming to the Lord. A lot of people were being taught the gospel and being baptized. And so in that particular area, they, were, they would have preachers meetings. I've been involved in those in the past and I think they can be really beneficial when you can get preachers from different congregations in an area to be able to come together and talk together, study together, pray together, have fellowship together. But anyway, so one particular month or however often they had them, this particular preacher from that congregation is gonna be there. And so one or two or maybe more of the other preachers, they thought they were, gonna, they were gonna really pick his brain. What's going on there? What are you doing? That the congregation there is growing so much. And he said, uh, basically he said, uh, really, I'm preaching. I'm teaching Bible class. I, I, I'm studying with a few people, but most of what you're hearing about is the result of the members of the congregation reaching out and studying with people on their own. And that's the way it's supposed to be. That's the way it's supposed to be. Each one of us should be looking for opportunities to in some way promote the gospel and help people come to see that salvation is in Jesus Christ and help them understand how they can come to that salvation. Well, let's go a little bit further here. We look at Titus chapter three and verse 14. Let our people also learn to maintain good works. He says it again, and on on an ongoing basis to meet urgent needs that they may not be unfruitful. Now, do do you catch the connection between being unfruitful and not maintaining good works? Understand the grammatical construction of that particular verse of Scripture. James chapter 2 and verse 14. James goes into quite a bit of detail in this second chapter, the second half of this second chapter of James's letter. And he says in verse 14, what does it profit, my brethren, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can faith save him? Now, that's a rhetorical question. And, and people would say, well, well, sure, you're saved by faith. But James is trying to get across just plain believing that is not connected with good works. And well, let's see what he says a little bit further down the line. Verses 17 and 18. Thus also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. Dead. Dead faith. I don't know how many times we could say it and it be too many times. It is dead faith. We need to stop and swish that around in our brains and in our soul and ask ourselves, well, how might that apply to me? But someone will say, You have faith and I have works. And so try to make a distinction. Well, you're, you, got all, you do all these good works, you've got some talents here, I've got strong faith. And James says, what next? He says, show me your faith without your works, and I'll show you my faith by my works. In other words, he says, real faith, saving faith, abiding faith is active, dedicated, working faith. It's ongoing in that way. Verse 20, do you want to know, O foolish man, that faith without works is dead? We need to quit excusing ourselves for not being involved in those good works. That's a careless attitude about our spiritual lives. And that's what we're talking about in this particular series of studies. Verse 26 of James chapter two. As the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. Now these are emphatic statements of scripture. They are strong teachings. And we need to not just understand it intellectually, but we need to put it into practice in our lives. I need to have, I need to be exhibiting, living by that kind of faith. We might think of it this way. Good works is the power of faith. The power of faith. We go a little bit further in James chapter 2, verse 22. Do you see then that faith was working together with his works? Speaking of Abraham, when he offered his son Isaac in response to God's instruction to offer Isaac as a sacrifice to him, he said, Do you see then that, that faith was working together with his works, and by works faith was made perfect? In other words, complete or whole. And then in verse 24. You see that a man who is justified by works and not by faith only. Now you can't separate the works from the faith and just have faith because James says that's, that's that's, that's dead faith. You can't also say, well, you know, I'm not really trying to live by faith, but I, I want to do some good works here and there to try to get things, smooth things over in God's eyes. Yeah, I'm going to give a whole bunch of money, or I'm going to do this, or I'm going to do that. Every now and then, and I, then, then God maybe he'll, he'll overlook my lack of real dedicated faith. Now, that doesn't work either. And James is saying the two go together. Real faith, saving faith is faith that works. Faith that's active, that is dedicated on an ongoing basis consistently. Our good works can lead unbelievers to glorify God, just those good works. Matthew chapter five, verse 16, Sermon on the Mount. Jesus says, let your light so shine before men that they may, before men, before people around you, that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. People can see that example of Christianity in us by our active working dedication. We are at work for the Lord. That's what they should see. And and Jesus says, just through that example, you may be able to influence some people to try to find out what's that all about? I want to learn about that. I want to learn about this Christianity thing. In 1 Peter 2 and verse 12, Peter says, having your conduct honorable among the Gentiles, that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may by your good works, which they observe, glorify God in the day of visitation. This kind of study can make us uncomfortable, can't it? because it can cause us to start to self-reflect. Am I I doing what I ought to be doing? Am I doing what I ought to be doing and serving God actively, dedicatedly? Am I working for the Lord? Hebrews 10 and verse 24. In this text where we're talking about being with the church as the church comes together to worship God and study his word, verse 24 says, let us consider one another to stir up love, and good works. That's what I'm trying to do right now. But that's what you ought to be doing as well. Every one of us ought to be doing, whether we're preachers or teachers or not, we ought to be encouraging one another to be active, working for the Lord. What can we do? Now, we can't all do the same things individually because Again, we have different talents, different abilities, different, different opportunities, and, and, and so on. And I've tried to get across through teaching and preaching over many years, many, many, many years. You have, and this is the way it is in any congregation, remember what that preacher said when they started questioning, him: what are you doing, How, how's the congregation growing, what are you doing? It's not me, by myself, I'm... I'm teaching and preaching. I study with a few people, but most of what you're hearing about is because the members of the congregation are out there studying with people, reaching out, inviting them to services, and so on. You have opportunities to reach people that I don't have because you know people I don't know. You have relationships with people I don't have relationships with, but they're in your life, but they're not in my life. And through your relationships, you have influences over them that, that I, I don't have. And any preacher in any congregation could say the same thing. That's the way it is. That's the reality of the matter. We're supposed to stir up love and good works in one another, encourage one another. And again, that's what I'm trying to do. And that's what every preacher should be trying to do. Always help us to be the church That God wants us to be. Look at what Jesus prayed on the night of his betrayal. He was coming to the end of his mission upon this earth. The next day he'd be on the cross and he prays to the father, John 17 and verse four, I have glorified you on the earth. I have finished the work which you have given me to do. Have you thought about, have you asked yourself What is the work or the particular talents and abilities that God has prepared for you to do on an individual basis? You see, it doesn't have to be standing behind a class lectern or standing in a pulpit or even necessarily leading a song, but he's given you the ability. He's given you the opportunity, the talent, the mentality to be able to do something to serve him through good works. Probably giving you the ability and talent and opportunities to serve him in a number of different ways. What are those ways that God has prepared beforehand for you to be involved in? Hebrews 13 and verse 21, well, a characteristic of our spiritual maturity is our involvement in the good works which God has prepared for us. And prepared us for. And that's a characteristic of our spiritual maturity. And we need to understand that. We need to zero in on that. So, Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 21, the Hebrews writer says, Make you complete in every good work to do His will, working in you what is well pleasing in His sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen working in you, making you complete in every good work to do his will. What has God got for me to do? What does he have in mind for me to do in serving him? In 2 Timothy chapter 3 verses 16 and 17, he has given us his word. Now, if we said, okay, I know, I know what that's for. That's to guide us to salvation. Read a little bit deeper in that text of scripture. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. It is God's very word for doctrine, that is for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. God has given us his word to guide us in good works. Now, certainly to guide us to salvation through Jesus Christ, but to guide us to good works, to help us understand he expects us to be active Christians, active Christians, serving him openly and continually. So the big question for each of us, as we ask containing to prayer, have you become careless in your prayer lives? As pertaining to our personal Bible study, have you become careless in how much time you spend in God's word? Are you being careless with your faith? Not putting it into action through good works. Are you making excuses for not being involved in ways that you have the ability to be involved in? Maybe you're blaming it on somebody else, but that doesn't doesn't fly. Are you being careless with your faith? Faith without works is dead. We read that over and over again. Are you not putting your faith into action through good works in which God has prepared you to be involved? Ephesians 2 and verse 10 again. I know such studies can be painful because we're talking about self-examination. We're talking about introspection and self-examination and introspection can be painful because we're looking within ourselves and, and, and if we're honest, we see things, I just, I need to change. I need to adjust and that can be painful, but the adjustment, the changes ultimately are for our good a boss, supervisor, business owner, whatever the tag is, he comes to his worker and he says, you know, I need to talk with you. Sure boss, what do you, what, what, what do you want to say? You're not doing your job well. And so then his blood pressure starts to go up, His heart starts to pound a little bit harder. Well, what, what do you mean? You're just not doing the job you're supposed to be doing well what do you mean I'm I'm, I'm I'm here every day, aren't I? yeah, but you're not doing the job the way you're supposed to do it, the way you were taught, and then the supervisor he he says, "Let me show you and so he begins instructing him now, if the worker is really wanting to do that job well, if he really wants that job, if he wants all the benefits of the job, he'll listen and he will adjust the way he's been doing his job, so he can do it properly. When we start examining ourselves carefully from the spiritual perspective, Am I doing what God wants me to do? Am I working for the Lord as God wants me to work? Am I pursuing the good works he wants me to pursue? If we really want to please God, we'll make the adjustments, won't we? Self-examination. If you need to make a big adjustment in your life, Saying, you know, I need to get out of the sin life. I need to repent of my sins. I know Jesus is my savior and I'm ready to confess him openly. And I need to surrender to him so that as I'm baptized into him, the blood that he shed on the cross will cleanse me of the guilt of my sins. And I'll make a huge transition in my life for eternal good. Or maybe... You say, I need to be, I need to start praying about this. I need to ask God for his guidance to help me see what he wants me to do, how he wants me to serve him actively and the good works that he's prepared for me to be involved in. Or maybe you just need to seek God's forgiveness for something in your life that you should not have in your life. We'd love to pray with you, to help you. We'd love to study with you. We'd love to sit down and talk privately if that's what you want. And we're here to baptize you into Christ if that's what you want. If you need to come, won't you come right now as we stand together and sing our invitation song.